0: I don't want this this podcast, or this episode, mostly to be blowing smoke up Elizabeth Taylor's
1: app. Past. Oh no, this this is, <laughs> this is how I spend all my days, is talking about how wonderful <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor is. <laughs> so,
0: something, a diamond big enough to make her sausage fingers look small.
1: <laughs> you are afraid to go outside, and uh, you need to deal with whatever it is your parents did to you so
0: (laughs) now i am recording perfect okay (laughs) hello there hi and welcome to my podcast Um, thank you for having me i am very very excited (laughs) (laughs) that's very kind of you so uh generally I'm, i'm trying very hard to to not be super excited and 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 uh, i guess display the the fan girl oh well that's
1: <laughs> it's a nice compliment i uh certainly not, none of us at the show think we're worth that but uh we're we're really <laughs> we're really happy people listen so
0: i I actually have been listening for a long time. you've gotten me through many a days I used to clean houses oh well, not just that but part of my job was cleaning houses and uh the i think the first episode where you actually mentioned me i was so happy oh well it's like i'm famous
1: (laughs) (laughs) well that's really nice i'm glad i'm glad
0: i am so uh i am honored that you have have graced my podcast with your presence well, Peter sadly could not be here because of scheduling and other stuff but that's all right hopefully hopefully I will be enough um <laughs> am I enough for you
1: yeah we'll okay see. <laughs>
0: okay so generally how I get the the pod started off is I'll I'm not sure if you listened or not I honestly doesn't mind. I I don't mind one way. No, or no, one. no. I
1: I have. I definitely have. Yeah.
0: Oh, good then. Yeah. You know the you know the the general breakdown of, you know, if I mm-hmm. introduce myself and then the then the okay. Guest host or or my co-host or whatever. So, if you're ready to get right in. Yeah,
1: I'm definitely good to go.
0: Hello there, and welcome to the Amateur Movie Critics Podcast. I'm your host, Mary Queen of Sluts, <laughs> and today <laughs> I have a very special guest. Uh, he rattles like a, or he rattles when you shake him. <laughs> uh, here he is.
1: All right. Oh, hi. I guess I should say hi. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I am Bill Antonio.
0: The host of a lovely podcast I've listened to for the longest time, uh, <laughs> bad gay movies or BGM, bad gay movies, bitchy gay man. That's I'm right. very excited to have him here today. Oh, well, I'm uh, very thrilled to be here. My, no, my
1: pleasure, absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, honestly, uh, <laughs> this is the you're the guest host that we've been waiting for. <laughs> oh,
1: that's very nice. That's very so, very nice.
0: Today we've had the the opportunity to, I mean, again, listeners, our guest host always picks the the movie we're watching, so mm-hmm. today we're going to be doing my first Elizabeth Taylor movie, The Mirror Cracked.
2: The quaint village of St. Mary Mead, England, home of Agatha Christie's extraordinary sleuth Miss Marple, is in for some excitement. Hollywood has invaded... And a great American star is about to make a comeback, but she's not the only one. A little bit closer, please, ladies. When massive doses of ego. Lola, dear, you know there are really only two things that I dislike about you. Really? What are they? Your face. Mix with lethal traces of poison. There's no business like show business. It's poison.
0: Somebody's trying to kill me, aren't they? Aren't they? I know it! I, I can, can
2: feel it. I can almost hear them coming. Danger in the Dark. <laughs> MGM 1932. Against such rave performances, even two of the world's greatest detectives are baffled. Murder is a very dangerous business. If one
1: gets mixed up in it, one must be prepared for the consequences.
2: In fact, they to a chance. Until the moment, the mirror cracked. Of course. He always did have the class of a toad. And he's putting up the money for your So You'd better calm down.
0: And putting that proxide floozy into my film, and as the Virgin Queen.
2: Maybe we should bring in
0: Alexander for my hair.
2: Lamb Chop, if I told you once, I told you a thousand times, Queen Elizabeth was bald. Not in this movie, she ain't. The idea of someone wanting to murder your wife doesn't bother you? You've been seeing too many Charlie Chan movies, Inspector.
0: We'll be together always.
2: Till death do us part.
1: Why'd you say that?
2: Elizabeth Taylor, Tony Curtis, Kim Novak, Edward Fox, Rock Hudson, Geraldine Chaplin, and Angela Lansbury as Miss Marple.
1: Very simple. If
2: only one looks at it the proper way. Agatha Christie's mystery classic, The Mirror Cracked. If you guess who done it, you may be next.
1: The world of the cinema, the village,
2: it's all quite the same, really. She could be wrong, you know. She's not. I've seen the picture. The Mirror Cracked.
1: snake son of a... which I find appalling, absolutely appalling. Yeah, no, that's, you have to hand in the gay card if, uh, if you've never seen an Elizabeth Taylor movie before.
0: Interestingly I mean, enough, the third time I've been, my, my gay card has been taken away from me oh, on this yeah. podcast. Well,
1: I don't even know how you're still standing then, because, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this, the theory is that Elizabeth Taylor actually is the gay gene, so, you know, it's really, really, um, it's, it's very surprising.
0: Yeah. I mean, there is a piece of her in all of us, but I, I, I more have just sensed it uh, mm-hmm. rather than witnessed it. Yeah. I mean, I, I have listened to quite a few podcasts featuring movies about her. So right. I was very excited to, to see one with her in it.
1: Uh, and what did you think?
0: Um, you, know, you know, let me give the, the listeners a little bit of a breakdown. Oh, here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> Don't worry. All
1: right. I'm missed with your stru- structure. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, no, don't worry about it. I always thoroughly prepare my guest hosts, as the (laughs) listeners know. (laughs) So, uh, The Mirror Cracked was a 1980 film. It was directed by Guy Hamilton. It was written by Jonathan Hale, or the screenplay was, and Barry Sandler. And it stars Angela Lansbury, Tony Curtis, Rick Rock Hudson, and Elizabeth Taylor. The very small plot I found on it was Agatha, Agatha Christie's sleuth Miss Mar, or yeah Miss Marple or Angela Lansbury and her Scotland Yard nephew, uh, played by Edward Fox, find poison on a 1950s movie set, and that's really all that they give, which oh. is interesting. Hmm. Uh, it has a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb and a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes and. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll get right into our first impressions. Uh, have you seen this one before? Or I, I had, yeah, one?
1: but it had been a really long time. And it's, um, I don't know, it's a movie that I'm completely delighted by, even though I recognize why it's not great. But I think it's really fun. And, um, and so I wanted to watch it again. And I've been also catching up on all the Elizabeth Taylor movies that I hadn't seen before recently uh, to complete out her filmography which I've been doing for a few months. So I, I wanted to rewatch this one again because it had been a long time. And I remembered really liking her performance in this film.
0: I mean, I, I enjoyed this one, but I found it interesting that this was actually... When I, when I looked up the, the date the, mm-hmm. the movie was released, I thought, oh, this is older Elizabeth Taylor. I had no idea. Yes. So, I yeah, mean, when actually,
1: I... Uh, she's almost 50 when she makes this movie.
0: Yeah, I had noticed mm-hmm. that. I mm-hmm. thought, wow. So, I mean, sort of possibly paralleling her whole, you know, no longer the hot young thing that she was at that point. I, I like that she was playing a movie star. Yeah. So. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's a really, uh, it's, it's actually her last starring role. And um, it is an interesting movie because she's playing a sort of, she's playing a jokey version of herself. I mean, Elizabeth Taylor also, uh, I mean, I don't know that she was ever accused of ever being a has-been, but of course she did grow older, and if she had any issues with it, she kept them to herself, because she never really seemed to be all that desperate about it, other than the fact that, you know, she did have plastic surgery. I mean, she got facelifts in a time when not a lot of people did. So, um, but I mean, I find it, from from what I know about her, from having read about her, I find it very hard to believe that she would be having spats with other actresses on a set or uh you know uh having a a nervous breakdown about growing older i think her personal problems were rooted in other things i think but i didn't know her but uh it is a fun iconic uh, role for her to be poking fun at her own image so
0: which i actually i i really i really liked that and also Mm -hmm. her 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 little bit of like Competition with with her, I guess co star, who uh, introduced as Mary Queen of sluts
1: Kim Novak. <laughs> That's right, the great Kim Novak, who is uh most famous now for having been the star of Vertigo, but in the fifties was a really really big movie star, and um you know, recently made headlines because Donald Trump was tweeting terrible things about how she looked when she presented at the Oscars last year, because she's had uh... a lot of she's had a lot of work done so. You know, and I. She's still radiant. I
0: mean, she's she had some work done actually at this point, which was oh yeah, uh, she was probably years ago now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was probably in her uh, almost uh, probably in her forties when she made this movie.
0: I, yeah. I mean, which is quite young to be having. I, I couldn't say a large amount of work done, but she'd had some work done. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I guess what I could identify as possibly bolt-ons, but then again, it was a bit hard to tell. Yeah. <laughs> um, a little niff, a little tuck, but, you know. Yeah, and the, she's another the...
1: one who was not uh she was not that high maintenance an actress, you know. She was actually she's always been quite humble when you read her in interviews. So it was fun to watch. I mean, it's interesting because this movie is a murder mystery. It's a Miss Marple murder mystery. Miss Marple actually spends most of it convalescing uh and being given details of the case by her nephew and a lot of the movie is spent just watching these You know these stars of Hollywood yesteryear battling it out. You know, just excuses for Tony Curtis to do his thing and Rock Hudson, and then having the ladies saying all this really like super bitchy dialogue to each other, like a comedy version of Dynasty or something. You know
0: my my favorite my favorite part was the was the very was the very like side side eye comment that she she fed she fed Elizabeth Taylor delivered which was there are only two things i really dislike about you and that's your face <laughs> that's so it's right like
1: ooh yeah it's, it's a great line and that line is used again in um the adventures of priscilla queen of the desert yeah
0: again another yeah. movie I, oh that God. is on my list
1: jesus I know. christ It's truly the Amateur Movie Podcast, then, if that's the case. It is.
0: It it really, really is. I mean, half the reason I started this podcast is so I could watch movies like this, but uh, again, I I, I, I have the occasion to watch more new fluffy movies, and those are usually the ones that I end up picking, because Ah. I had already seen them, and I think this would be great, but... Again, Elizabeth Taylor's filmography has eluded me, except for that Lindsay Lohan movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> which, which I don't l- think that Lindsay really counts Lohan as an movie. Elizabeth Taylor. Uh her and I forget the name of the other actor. They it was called Liz and Dick, where they basically portrayed oh, Elizabeth Taylor right. and Richard. Oh Burton. my
1: god. Yeah.
0: Oof. <laughs> it was yeah. hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and I thought, I mean, well, I should really watch some real Elizabeth Taylor because I don't know about this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't remember that guy's name. He's actually a really good actor, too. It's, uh, that was a real shame. There's also there's a really good TV movie with Helena Bonham Carter playing her and Dominic West, and I think it's, I think it's also called Burton, Burton and Taylor, I think. And it's oh. uh, specifically about when they perform together in a play after they would broken up. Or, yeah, I think it was after they'd broken up, and it's uh it's a it's a pretty good t v movie and like Helena Bonham Carter isn't quite her, but she does a a more than decent job
0: i mean again, having never actually seen i mean there are there are movies that I definitely wanted to see that are on my mm-hmm. list, like Butterfield eight and um well, I forget the other one um well, who's afraid suddenly of last Wolf? summer yeah. or yeah. I mean, more she's not, more iconic roles. Yeah,
1: her her filmography is not like overwhelmed with classics. A lot of the times you're watching it just for her, but there's some good ones. Like *Cat on a Roof* is a good movie, and uh, *Suddenly Last Summer* is not that great, but it's interesting. And then *Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf* is a really really good movie. It's the best of the movies they ever made together. That's for sure.
0: Ah, um, that one. Yes. But like, I, if you want to again... watch um,
1: something like *Boom*, is like a full on camp classic, and it's worth seeing. But it's crazy you know and then uh um i mean the mirror cracked is pretty tamed compared to a lot of the campier things she appeared in
0: i mean i really i loved her performance because it it was it was something i mean i don't want this this podcast or this episode mostly to be blowing smoke up elizabeth taylor's ass oh no ass, but... <laughs> this, this is this is how i
1: spend all my days is talking about how wonderful <laughs> elizabeth taylor is <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, the the Miss Maple portion of the movie I thought was great, especially since I just called her "Murder She Wrote" the entire movie because I forgot right. her name right off the back.
1: So Angela Lansbury, uh, who was only fifty four when she made this movie, but they uh, they age her up to be more appropriate as Miss Marple because Miss Marple was always a aged aged woman. Um, and this movie's also made around the time that a lot of because uh, uh, Agatha Christie became really popular in the seventies after they made. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express in 1974, which they're remaking this fall, and uh, and then Death on the Nile came out in '78, and then this one came out in 1980, and then Evil Under the Sun came out in '82, and um, they're all you know they're all dated and cheesy, but they're also super fun, and they've always got like a huge cast. Um, the weakest thing about this one really is just the fact that there's not as much clue solving as there is just watching everybody interact, you know. Uh, the other ones usually spend more time focusing on the murder or on the mystery, I should say.
0: What's interesting that I found about about specifically this one, which it was, I guess, campy and very tropey about the whole. Oh, there's a murder at the party. Mm-hmm. Very quick, right off, and then we're trying to figure out the whole thing, and they're slowly feeding us clues. Right. I. I mean, I did. I saw that, and I thought the entire time, okay, so we're trying to figure out who's trying to kill Elizabeth Taylor, but I never even thought, oh, that there's going to be some sort of almost M. Night shyamalan right. S twist at the end, so I didn't even see it coming, and I thought, are we, well, you know
1: what? That actually makes sense. <laughs> are we allowed to give spoilers on this show? Or Oh, yes.
0: This is, okay. a, this is a spoiler-friendly podcast. Okay, right, there was so. a... a we used to give spoiler warnings at the beginning of the show, but now just it's well. It's now closed. here it is. This is the spoiler warning. <laughs> yes. Well, so
1: I don't know if you know that the 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 mystery as it is revealed is actually based on a true story. I don't know if you know about that. I actually don't. Oh, okay. so... so if you know the movie star Jean Tierney, she was a nineteen forties film star. She's in the film Laura, is probably her most famous movie. Mm -hmm. um so anyway she um i i don't know if you've ever heard of in the 40s there was the hollywood canteen in la um it was a dance hall run by movie stars for servicemen so if you were a a gi who was given furlough in los angeles you could go to the hollywood canteen and famous movie stars like betty davis would actually be serving drinks uh it was something Ah. that i think that betty davis set up with other people i can't remember um Anyway, it was, it was Hollywood's, uh, one of the things Hollywood did for the war effort. And all the stars would go and, you know, would take shifts, uh, serving drinks, serving food, dancing with the soldiers, what have you. Anyway, Jean Tierney also uh, uh, would go to these things, and um, she was pregnant at the time, and then uh, contracted German measles and gave birth to a severely birth-defected, uh, a, a brain-damaged, excuse me, brain-damaged child who, according to what I read, is still in care, but that might have been an old news bit. I'm not sure if the child is still alive. Uh, but as is typical of the time, you know, her her child was severely brain damaged, and so she was placed in um, permanent care, which is what they did a lot more back then. And it's something Jean Tierney never got over, and she kind of already had emotional problems anyway, and she ended up, um, I believe she ended up committing suicide. I can't remember how she died. Anyway, uh, but years after giving birth to this child, a woman did approach her and said, Oh, um, I remember meeting you at the Hollywood Canteen. And, uh, you know, I was so excited to meet you that I I had German measles, but I broke out of quarantine, even though I'd been told to stay in the hospital, uh, to come to the Hollywood Canteen because I was dying to meet you. And uh, you were so nice and I kissed you and blah, blah, blah. And uh, Jean Tierney said, didn't say anything to her. Um, didn't tell her what had happened, and just walked away and said that she never cared about whether or not people thought she was a great actress or a great movie star ever again. Um, So, I don't know if the story was reported, but Agatha Christie either got wind of it, or it's just a very happy coincidence that she ended up putting it into this book, which was published in 1952, so...
0: Which, I mean, very specifically, I mean, essentially you just described the, the, the plot of the movie.
1: Exactly, yeah, that's right. Except for the fact that Gene uh, Tierney didn't poison the woman, although I wouldn't, I don't know that I'd blame her if she did. Um, because just the, the blatant idiocy of this person to be really, really proud of, like, not respecting, you know, we put quarantines on people with infectious diseases for a reason, but anyway. It's a, it's a, a mean, very sad story, you know.
0: It, it is very sad. I, yeah. I, I noticed from the beginning they were dropping hints about, oh, I met her, I met her, but it was so, I, I thought that basically it just added to the, there's a character of slight interest here, right. and then th- there's a character of slight interest who has the biggest lesbian crush I've ever seen on Elizabeth Taylor, <laughs> and then she comes and, and meets her, and she's like, and you let me give you a kiss on the cheek, and hint, hint, I want to kiss you again, right. uh, <laughs> telling yeah. you this whole story. I, I hate to say, but I was so happy when she died. It's like suddenly everyone is like, quick, Rock, Rock Hudson, come quickly. And then she's dead. And I laughed for probably a good full minute. Just <laughs> just thinking about how sad it was <laughs> that this woman was dead and yeah. probably it wasn't meant for her. So I just, I, I instantly chalked her character up to, well, she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time right. because of her the uh slightly demonized les- lesbian love for elizabeth taylor <laughs> right <laughs> and...
1: <laughs> yeah i mean I, it's it the bait and switch is quite effective because the first time i saw it i hadn't read the book and the first time i saw it i had no idea who the murderer would end up being um and then when i watched it again i found myself noticing all the clues and it's like oh it's so obvious but you know so long as it's only obvious after you've watched it once uh you know a murder mystery has done its job
0: they do try and set it up as it's the secretary and, again, Elizabeth Taylor delivering some truly bitchy lines. Mm-hmm. Like, we share a lot these days.
1: Well, yeah, because she seems to be aware that her secretary is having an affair with her husband. Um, yeah, and that's, um, that's Geraldine Chaplin playing the secretary. That's Charlie Chaplin's daughter. I, yes. Uh, I had a random run-in with her twice in one night in Toronto during the film festival a couple years ago. I was like, Geraldine Chaplin is stalking me, everyone. <laughs> yeah,
0: she's stalking you because she wants to poison you. That's
1: right. <laughs> well, she has that weird death as well because she dies. She sprays that atomizer up her nose, I guess, for her sneezing, and I, it's also poisoned.
0: I mean, he said, "Do something about that." And then I thought, oh, well, he did it then. He wanted her to die.
1: Well, yeah, and they don't, do they explain that in the end when they, when they do, when she does the rundown of everyone that she killed? I guess she does, because, uh...
0: I don't think they did, because I'm not sure if Rock Hudson killed her, or if Elizabeth Taylor killed her, or they just didn't care and she died because she was... Right. Trying to figure it out, even though she was actually trying to be a good assistant to Rock Hudson and Elizabeth.
1: Well, Elizabeth Taylor must have killed her because they said that she was calling everybody and accusing them of being the murderer in the hopes that that's how she would catch them. So I guess she called Elizabeth Taylor Marina, as she's called. I guess she called her and then, you know, I mean, it was I Elizabeth mean... Taylor who suggested that she used that thing for her sneezing to begin with. So it makes sense that she would have had easy access to poison it.
0: I just love that Rock Hudson um murder she wrote walk, walks up to him and she explains the whole thing and she's like I really need to see her and he's like <laughs> well she's already dead I killed her but she had killed herself anyway so she right. was going to die no matter what.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a weak ending for sure. Angela Lansbury said that she loved playing Miss Marple but she found the movie to be completely dreadful. And I I don't really blame her. It's kind of um it's kind of a it, it doesn't really have a strong way to play out, especially considering that she does explain the murder to somebody who's not the murderer, and usually the murderer is in the room, right? Um, I mean, they they set it up at the beginning when they're watching the film, uh, which is a much more typical Agatha Christie film that they're watching in the theater. Uh, which, and uh, that
0: part I didn't know, but her explaining the whole thing, I was like, okay, they're setting it up that she's definitely the, de- the detective, even though there's a Scotland Yard actual detective. Yeah who did take all the credit most likely
1: yeah i mean the joke with uh, miss marple is that she's a good murder solver but she's also kind of a busybody. you know like she gets involved in things that she doesn't really need to get involved in and uh, you know agatha christie had a really um interesting sense of humor when it came to the way she wrote her her crime solving characters and that's probably why they've been so they've lasted so long i mean Hercule Poirot and Miss Marple are still mainstays in literature, and they still make television shows and movies about, about both of them, you know. I easily. mean, I,
0: I really did enjoy the, the whole part where there was an actual scene where she was s- sitting at her kitchen window actually looking at someone through binoculars. <laughs> yes. And, she, and she, was so, she was so interested, she was such a busybody that she actually had to call the house where that woman came from. Right. To be like, well, their phone is working, so something's afoot. But. Yeah.
1: There were movies, there were Miss Marple movies made in the 60s as well with an actress named Margaret Rutherford, um, who, which are also, I've seen a couple of them, and those are really good too. I've never seen the BBC series, but uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, I don't know if you noticed, Pierce Brosnan is is in this movie when he's very, very young.
0: Uh, I did not, actually. Oh,
1: yeah. He's the one that Liz is clenching when when they're filming a scene when she's in her Mary Queen of Scots costume. And she's embracing Ah. an actor. That was Pierce Brosnan. Uh, And of trivia note, this movie is directed by Guy Hamilton, who was... um, one of the original directors of the james bond movies i think he was the second one so he's sort of unofficially directing another james bond actor
0: again this is this is one of the reasons i was so happy to have you on the podcast because i'm learning so much (laughs) because i'm like well these are brand new facts to me
1: (laughs) yeah well you know this what i have is a lot of useless information in my in my mind um, and then, of course, uh, when it comes to Elizabeth Taylor and Rock Hudson, everyone already knew them for having uh, appeared in the movie Giant together in 1956, and she apparently had been madly in love with him. And uh, and why not? He was incredibly handsome, even as an older man. And then,
0: um... which I mean, to 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 come to that point, mm-hmm. he she was like laying on the bed. And they were actually having a, a sweet moment, even though someone she she was. I guess, pretending someone was trying to kill her. Right. At which, looking back on it, she was trying to make her quick escape after, on the spur of the moment, murdering someone. Yeah. yeah. But she was like, I'm so scared, I'm so scared. And they were, like, laying on the bed and having a sweet moment. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I mean, I can definitely see what the appeal is of Rock Hudson here.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, of course, if you see him younger, he, he was incredibly hot. Um, but you can also tell from their scenes together, that they knew each other well and that they'd worked together before. Like, there's a there's a particularly easy rapport between the two of them, even more so than they have with everybody else in the movie. Because uh, they really did love each other a lot. And, I mean, he's one of the reasons why she became this magnificent uh, AIDS activist uh, in the 80s and beyond is because he died of AIDS and she was appalled at how little, um, you know, the government was doing about the disease and so she got involved and he was a major catalyst for that so
0: again brand new facts to me i'm I'm so glad to learn these things
1: he was the first major celebrity to die of aids i mean that's when the world found out that he was gay so and that was in 1985 that was a big deal i was only eight years old at the time and i remember it very clearly i remember the news very clearly even though i had no idea who he was um and i remember (laughs) people talking about it
0: which I, I could assume there was some sort of not so much public outcry, but but public shock of there's here's this mainstream person who not only was gay but died of the the quote unquote "gay cancer," right which, I mean, you know, to anyone whos who's watched the normal heart that was uh, quite quite a, I mean, a scandal at the time, they they wouldn't even you know, take the body. So, right. I mean, I I'm not sure about the 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 sort of light that it brought to the actual situation, but again, Elizabeth Taylor being the actual gay gene.
1: It was a terrible time. Yeah, that's right. It was a terrible time uh it was a terrible time in general in the 80s to be gay and uh the situation with AIDS and uh Um, in Rock Hudson's case, people were shocked also because in the movies as a young, younger actor, he represented an ideal of masculinity and complete heterosexual masculinity. So, you know, people are also being shocked about being forced to face the fact that Hollywood truly is this dream factory and that these light and shadows that we take to be something real are, are really quite, they're just, you know, invented dreams to suit us. And, uh... Uh, you know, him being so far from what people imagined was very shocking. As opposed to, I mean, Liberace died around the same time, and you know, no one was uh, shocked that it turned out he was gay. Um,
0: well, no, of course not. I mean, except also... for whatever little
1: old ladies were in denial about it, but yeah.
0: <laughs> but I mean, everyone else in in the world. I mean, I believe there was. Um... Who was it? Barry Manilow came out recently, and Mm -hmm. (laughs) every person on the sun was like, "Okay, Barry, we're so shocked."
1: Yeah, I mean, there's (laughs) just some some artists where you're just like, you're basically just waiting for them to say it first, so that you don't say the wrong thing at a party or something, you know. But uh, in in Rock Hudson's case, he 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 really shocked people, um, in that regard, you know, and also because he wasn't that old too, and then he looked very very old by the time he died, of course, because he was very ill um he died on an airplane actually because he was on his way to europe to see a specialist uh and uh yeah it was it was huge news at the time so
0: which i mean again this was that that was also you know portrayed in the normal heart again it's like no one knew what to do probably there there was there was a bit of a uh a shock but also what then do you do once you land there's sort of a quarantine idea to it Yeah, which i mean you you know getting getting into that whole secret hollywood thing again i personally had heard recently that was it will and jada pinkett are bisexual swingers and and have been for the longest time and yeah. since 2012 everyone had known this and I was shocked. I was like, really? i, I, I had The no only thing that would thought. shock me about the two
1: of them is if they were in the least bit interesting. I don't I can't imagine why anyone <laughs> would have sex with either of them. They're both so goddamn boring, it's not even funny. I mean <laughs> her especially, she's just like, I find her a terrible actress. He's at least a good actor. But I don't wanna I don't wanna hear what either of them have to say about anything. I find them so dull. And there's just something, and like they're snotty kids, and they're just—I don't know,
0: just. I mean, yeah. yes, that's true. I guess their children are not so much becoming they're they're becoming sort of activists in their own right. Jaden Smith, I mean, if you've ever read his Twitter, which is—I don't know if he wants to become a philosopher or something of the two thousands.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, it, it, the little I've read of his Twitter feed is kind of bonkers i i think their kids are just uh the, the result of basically growing up in a glass house you know what i mean like they're they're kind of they're separated from the world and and uh whether you know they have whatever privileges you have when your parents are multi-millionaires uh which i don't hold against them but i don't know i don't find their parents interesting at all
0: <laughs> no i i mean again they there is Will Smith has produced some good work. It it was pretty obvious that Jaden Smith had no acting ability whatsoever, and that that <laughs> was it. After bullshit movie about oh, aliens no. or something,
1: I didn't uh. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, you know, uh, going back to the mirror cracked, uh, you have, yes. <laughs> uh you know, looking. It's just interesting to know all this stuff about Liz and Rock Hudson. You know, watching the movie now, so many years later, and like. It informs a bit of a different viewing uh, when
0: you watch it. And again, I I knew none of this, so I was watching this purely as a as a uh, uh, just a movie. And well, I think it's uh, a
1: great place to start. I mean, you get a good you get a good sense of like her mercurial qualities when you watch this film. The way she was like, you could take it ser- her seriously, but she always had a a viciously funny streak about her, and you can see that in this character. Um, my favorite scene, the scene that makes me really love her the most in this movie, is actually the scene where she pretends to be scared for her life for the detective.
0: That one was actually what I just wanted to touch on. It was so I I was so convinced by it that she was actually afraid, but then suddenly she starts laughing.
1: Yeah, and I love the way she starts laughing because the minute he mentions the film, uh, she doesn't even she doesn't even react like upset that she's been caught, she immediately breaks out into this grin. And it's so um I don't know, there's something kinda of kinky about it. Like it's so funny the way she does that. I think that's a great, a really, really great scene. And I think you really get to see a lot of what made Liz so wonderful in that scene.
0: Which I mean if you if you look at if you look at it again with the retrospect of she is the murderer here. Mm-hmm. It, it was so She's like, I'm an actress. I act, and it really was a good performance. Yeah, for uh, sure. Of anyone, it's like yeah, I yeah. actually did kill this person, but I'm just doing this for for shits and giggles, just to throw someone off. But also, yeah. I'm just gonna recite lines from a movie just to fuck with this person <laughs> and get them to go away. Um, yeah.
1: They don't make it clear though if uh, if they finished filming the movie by the time she died. Like, did she screw everything up for everybody or? I mean mm. it,
0: so I did like that they they did the whole this is hollywood producer director mm-hmm. and rock hudson says very clear in terms to the vicar is was it the producer provides the money the director spends money the producer tells the director to stop spending money and the director keeps spending money yep. and it was it was uh, very accurate and the that was that sort of portrayal of hollywood is something that i associate only with recent times but obviously this movie was shedding a, a a light on hollywood that although it was not so hollywood is just all you know what we what we want to see and there there's a right. hidden background to everything
1: well and i mean this movie kind of pokes fun at hollywood tradition as well given that they're making uh what is clearly a terrible historically inaccurate version of the story of mary queen of scots and queen elizabeth uh in which these aging actresses are hired to play women who are at the point of the story i mean elizabeth was actually in her was older so the character that kim novak playing is playing would have been older mary queen of scots was about 35 when she died and liz is you know turning and on 50 when she films this and uh i mean i think it's i think it's an open joke in the film really that they're they're making what is clearly a terrible film
0: uh yeah actually the the whole film also they were they were portraying as well you know the the actress who was married to the producer she just wanted to do this film to kick dirt in the face of elizabeth taylor's actress (laughs) right Basically, just to say, "Well, I'm young and hot right now, and yeah. you're washed up, even though this is your comeback,
1: yeah, and I, I mean it's I think it's also poking fun at the way that Americans go to England and make uh, terrible versions of uh, English stories as well. i think i don't I've never read the Agatha Christie novel, so I don't know if the movie is the same in her book, but if it is, then I think it would also be her way of making fun of that whole industry.
0: Which is again, I mean, given the whole uh you know, character of Miss Maple murder she wrote. She mm-hmm. <laughs> she was she was giving the whole well this is the this is the this is the old lady who has nothing better to do than snoop on other people, but she also serves a murderer anyway, but right. mostly she's just snooping. Right. Um I I I remember there was a point at which she could have helped to solve the murder with the accounts of uh the the woman who or I guess the girl who cleaned her house uh she could have kept around she's like, "Oh, I sent her away. I don't want her to be murdered too right and I thought well that's it. I mean that's very suspicious, but because you're related to the detective covering this he just accepted that and yeah i I mean i guess okay whatever
1: (laughs) i guess because of the fact that the second woman had been murdered at that point and so i don't know she she has a sense of i i guess i've never really looked at it too carefully i'm sure that there are things that don't connect when you uh when you put this film a bit too closely together
0: yeah i mean also there was the point in in the middle of the night where there was a point where the, de- the detective from Scotland Yard comes to-, to Miss Maple's house, and it's her nephew. And you mm-hmm. think someone's going to kill her, even though there would be no reason to, except for to the viewers, she's trying to figure stuff out. Uh, right. And then also the point at which it pans into her house, and then she bolts up right in the middle of the night. And did she say the vicar? Because I, I saw nowhere where the vicar came into it other than he's just crazy
1: there was something that he said that made her remember the painting. It was something like that. I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, no, it made sense to me when I watched it, but now I can't remember the detail.
0: (laughs) Neither can I, I I forget. That's right. It was the detective who was told about, you know, uh, Elizabeth Taylor's child and the whole German measles thing and the children playing outside on the lawn. And which, I mean, you know, he was telling this to a detective, but it was it was very unrelated to the murder in general.
1: Well, the the cool thing about Miss Marple is that she always understands the 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 importance of like what we think of her throwaway details, which is what she reveals in the opening scene when she figures out the movie's murder mystery um, by understanding, you know, that a, a left-handed person wouldn't have done this. So. You know, throughout the entire movie, they're trying to figure out the motive why someone would want to kill Elizabeth Taylor. But she's the only one who's smart enough to understand that Elizabeth Taylor's staring in that direction was significant. And uh, it was just a matter of her figuring out that it was the painting she was looking at and not Kim Novak.
0: Which, I mean, to the to, again, a first-time viewer, I saw that whole stare, and I thought this is very important, but I can't figure out why. She's looking off for what could be considered a long time. Maybe she's just zoning out because of this very boring lesbian in front of her, (laughs) spewing her love to her. But, again, when they went back and and they started filling things in, they didn't show us in the beginning her the whole drink-spilling thing and, you know, handing her off a drink. They just Call Rock Hudson up, and and then suddenly the woman's dead, and, and again, that made me, it that made me laugh for a full minute because, <laughs> I thought, you know, I thought, gee whiz, if anyone's gonna die right now, this this woman would be a godsend because she's really just annoying the hell out of me, and I don't understand. Well, yeah, because she also has movie. that
1: that really d- <laughs> douchey way that she drinks too. You know, when she tries the drink and she basically slurps it. Uh, cause she's so, she's so village, you know.
0: Also the whole, everyone's coming out and then suddenly the secretary, the, the secretary stops and she like tells the band to queue up the, 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 the movie star arriving outside and everyone right. looks and it, <laughs> right. it was all very funny to me. I mean, also the, the, I, what was it? Miss Marple's, um, cleaning lady. She was mm-hmm. trying to recount the details, but she was so busy staring at Rock Hudson's character that she didn't quite well, pay right. attention much to anything else. And I thought yeah. there are there are a lot of thirsty women at this party right now. So
1: <laughs> Well, I mean you get the impression it's a sleepy English town, right? They don't and they're super excited about having American movie stars there because that doesn't happen all that often. And uh it's set I mean the movie is supposed to take place when the book takes place, which is in the early fifties, so you have these, these British people are recovering from the war still, you know, so America means money and success. So, you know, she's super excited about a lot of things, including the fact that uh, Rock Hudson is so handsome.
0: Yeah, and also there was like this, this very obvious, oh, here are the actress movie stars and they're going to be wearing these outlandish California Hollywood mm-hmm. outfits. Elizabeth Taylor was dressed as a human sprig of lavender, and then yes. her... With her
1: hilarious hat that she's got on. Uh,
0: and and her, her arch-nemesis, speaking of hilarious hats, walks in wearing a giant dental dam on her head. Uh, <laughs> and totally they have this does. outlandish... <laughs> this outlandish, you know, yep. exchange in front of the camera. Yeah, it's full-on uh,
1: full dynasty style, even though, yeah, I think that show is already on. But yeah.
0: It was it was very it was it, it it communicated something to me which was mostly just comedy. Right. But I I just kept thinking this is hilarious but there's something more here because this is supposed to be a murder mystery. Yeah. Okay. I watched the trailer very quickly beforehand but uh, which actually like told me the the plot of the entire movie mm-hmm. unlike some trailers but it it did have a a, a twang of the of the murder mystery 1980s classic movie style to it.
1: Yeah. And it's certainly a lot sillier than the other Agatha Christie movie adaptations are, you know, they're always fun and they always have a sense of humor to them. But this one's definitely the one that's the most outright, like goofy. It,
0: it was very goofy. And again, watching this, I thought, okay, this is, (laughs) this is a movie that can, that can be poked fun at when you, when you really look at it as, again for i guess a a critique mm-hmm. as this podcast does is want to do more <laughs> or this is a, a bit of a comedy podcast just given the way the way that we talk about movies yeah and then totally diverge onto something that's unrelated to the <laughs> to the why well, hey we do it all the time <laughs> which is one yeah. of the which is one of the most pleasant parts of the of your podcast really oh well thank
1: you <laughs> well we'll we'll do our best to diverge more then yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I mean, sometimes I, we have I, to
1: because we get so depressed by the movies that we're watching that it's the only way we can uh to to keep our our spirits up is to talk about something else
0: I mean this movie is sort of a bad gay movie sort of your your 10th episode not truly gay but Elizabeth Taylor makes it as gay as possible
1: yeah I, I, <laughs> it could be it could be although I, I have uh, another Elizabeth Taylor movie in mind for our next uh gay but not gay episode so You'll find out when we get to it. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> Inside secrets. I'm yeah. so I'm so excited. <laughs> but I mean, oh, overall, there there was a there was an overall feel of a, a campy movie, but it, it was again something that I had never actually watched, so I was mm-hmm. surprised by it when yeah. when the reveal was that Elizabeth Taylor was the murderer, and also the whole okay, she's dead, but she killed herself thing. And Miss Marple walks in and says, "It was the greatest performance of her life," and she's laid out all beautiful in a in a white
1: nightgown, looking so radiant. And clearly, there's clearly a key light above her, like there's clearly a, a ceiling light, because she she's <laughs> yes. glowing like when they when cars are on display in the in the <laughs> in the store, you know, like or just something. It's just stunning the way she just um, there's a halo all around her.
0: She's a showroom floor model of suicide.
1: Absolutely, yeah, no, I mean, she just never looked better. Um, It was was
0: almost a little Romeo and Juliet display. Yeah, Um,
1: Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, how did she kill herself? Because if you overdose, you don't just lie down and calmly die. You usually have, like, convulsions, uh, often, uh, or, like, throw up, depending on how you overdose and of what you overdose on, but... uh, you know i mean she seemed to
0: have a pharmacy available to her given all the different i mean she even had cyanide to put in her own coffee which again what sort of nose do you have that you can smell cyanide in your coffee
1: i just i don't think you (laughs) i don't think you just calmly lie down and your heart stops i think she would have been found in like clutching her chest or something you know but (laughs) you know what me and my silly details what am i what am i even bothering for you know (laughs) it's uh well again
0: the campy quality of this movie who who even cares at that point it's it's just the
1: it's such an anticlimactic ending though because you don't you don't even get to see her face her crime you know what i mean which is usually one of the pleasures of the murderer being revealed is that they then deny it or they say they're sorry or whatever and like it's it's a shame that you don't get to see her do that
0: or again they admit it all and yeah you know rock hudson's character is is saying well i knew she did it and i wonder at what point he knew she did it yeah was he the one who killed the secretary or was it her or did it just not matter at that point
1: yeah it's it's funny i always forget that that's a hole in the plot that they forget to address yeah Uh,
0: again digging too deeply into this film about a a a campy ridiculous murder mystery where it's all solved from the parlor of this old woman who's just being nosy
1: yeah Uh (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it so... plays kind of like a TV movie to me like I feel like if it was made now That's how it would be released because it doesn't really feel like a movie movie other than the fact that it's got these huge stars in it um, Yeah, but it feels more like uh, something and like, a made for TV movie of the 80s like Friday night 8 o'clock NBC Like it, it has that kind of a feel to it um, And it is also just funny for the fact that it's a Miss Marble mystery, but she's hardly in it She actually doesn't show up till the last 20 minutes to really solve the mystery up until then you know, she's in the well, beginning, she, she gets ankle. injured, and then, yeah, and so I find that very interesting.
0: Which I like that she has a sprained ankle, and yet she's walking around her kitchen and making some sort of British dish, and putting of course. far yeah. too much of some sort of seasoning or bean sprout on a dish. <laughs> and well, she's English. serving her nephew.
1: <laughs> for sure. Who just,
0: who just so happens to be the detective assigned to this crime. Yeah. I mean, yeah. again. All the coincidences that had to come together for her just to swoop in at the last second and be the 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 town sleuth, yeah, is you know. well,
1: and it makes you also wonder again. like how many how many murders happen in this? I mean, I always wondered that about murder she wrote as well, which I think part of the reason why murder she wrote happened was because this because of this movie because it wasn't long after that that show started. Um but you know, on that show, she lived in like a tiny little town, and people kept getting murdered. And you're, you know, you know, like, How many people are in this town that there's so many of them getting murdered all the time for her to solve? I would move if I was, you know, like your chances (laughs) of surviving are low.
0: Which does lead to the theory, I I mean, I don't know if it's a fan theory as much as I just want it to be a theory that she writes the murders, but then she just kills the people herself and then
1: solves them,
0: quote-unquote solves them by blaming (laughs) other people.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. That show was on for like nine seasons or something. It was on for a really long time. And I believe it made her a very wealthy woman, because she was a producer on that show for a long time, too. So.
0: Which, I mean, you know, a, a woman breaking into Hollywood and, and being able to, or not so much Hollywood, but daytime TV, and being yeah. able to, to produce her own television show, very Donna Reed-esque. Yeah, because
1: it was so successful. I mean, everyone's grandmother never missed that show. Oh, um, yes. You know, I, mean,
0: ne- I remember going to my grandmother's house on the weekends and, and seeing it on the TV and thinking, oh, yep. this is old people TV.
1: Yep, totally. <laughs>
0: but but still knowing who, and to, still knowing to some extent Murder, She Wrote and, and thinking, oh, look, it's a Murder, She Wrote sort of thing going on yeah. here.
1: Yeah, a friend of mine always used to tell me that her grandmother would never even answer the phone if Murder, She Wrote was on. Like, you could have called her and told her the house is on fire and she wouldn't have cared. So it was a <laughs> very popular show.
0: I mean, you, you know, it was it was always some sort of so some sort of television show was on where my grandmother wouldn't answer the phone. But having a, a Mexican grandmother, her her novellas were on, so oh, you fantastic. can't call her during these seven hours of the day.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> She's
0: I I remember. I I forget it was my mother would say something to the effect of well I need to call I need to call your grandmother but her novelas are on right now so it's going to be a couple hours.
1: My mom so. <laughs> um my mom and her friends they watch a lot of uh, uh like latino and uh, brazilian telenovelas cuz a lot of them are dubbed in greek uh and they play uh. them there so they've, they I I've I've caught them watching a few of them sometimes and I can tell that the people on there are not speaking greek cuz they're clearly dubbed. um, Oh, the
0: the dubbed television shows, of course, are even better. Yeah. Yeah, Because of that that campy quality of their mouths are moving, but then you're hearing something else over there. Yeah, as if the shows
1: aren't campy enough, you know.
0: Oh, no, of course, because the the evil twin comes back from falling into a volcano. and (laughs) (laughs) Then they fall down an elevator shaft and there was an evil triplet all
1: along. Yeah. Uh... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, telenovelas are like uh an a, a a fine Mexican tradition. I I think that uh, they're marvelous.
0: Well, you know, the the was it the movie the 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 equally campy movie, um was it Dark Shadows was originally a novella. So <laughs> Oh really? Oh I didn't know that. I believe it was like a not specifically uh Spanish novella as much as it was I I forget. I think it was like a Portuguese novella, oh, which okay. if you if you look at the whole thing and you know they set it up for a sequel, which is very sad that they thought they were going to get a sequel off that movie. Um, it was it was Tim Burton. Well, it was a ridiculous director putting his spin on an already ridiculous campy yeah. novella.
1: Because I know that it was an American or it was an American or a British TV series as well, um, which I've seen a bit of in found really boring but um uh yeah mainly i'd just seen the the film
0: yes i mean yeah. i mean do you, do you know the the whole was it mysteries of laura was originally a uh a, i think a, a spanish novella yes and for some reason god knows why deborah messing decided to come out from whatever rock she was under and come <laughs> decide to do a a mystery yeah. murder once a week show but that's yeah. neither here nor there guess like, so well yeah because
1: <laughs> she's gone back to what what's been successful for her now and so well
0: i mean again which I, I i also diverging or digressing from the reason that we're here which is a movie <laughs> <laughs> i i just really am worried about that being the the gilmore girls reboot all over again where it's so many episodes that you just didn't need
1: well i mean anytime they revive a show everyone always says it's not as good as it was last time because people really want it to be exactly like it was the last time and that's not possible you know like the the river i stand in is not the river i walked in like time has passed um the the art form has changed you know like and it And you also, a lot of times, we remember being whatever age we were when a show that has been off the air for years was on. And so we're not the same anymore. So, you know, there's always going to be a whole contingency of people who say it's not that good. I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll be funny enough. Um, You know, and uh, I'm I'm curious to see how the current climate reacts to that show because there was no social media when that show was on. So now I think we're going to have a lot more people you know, complaining about what Karen says and teaching us about how we know we think she's funny, but here's why you're a terrible person if you love Karen's humor or whatever. <laughs> you know, like there's gonna be a lot of that kind of self-righteousness uh, about that show. Uh, so I don't know how that's gonna too, too go, much but...
0: political correctness. Their their whole well, little skit they did about her being a Trump supporter.
1: Right, right.
0: And I thought yeah. that's just not gonna fly.
1: I'm sure they'll find a, a tasteful way to do it. But, I mean, the joke was always that Karen was a terrible person. You know, like, that's where all the humor always came from with her. She wow. was uh, really, really awful, and she she liked to shoot guns at her maid's feet to make them dance, you know? Like, she's <laughs> really quite deliciously evil. Um, the, the, the change now is the fact that... I mean, I always said that I love Karen Walker, but in real life, people like that really are a nightmare. And... Uh, there's a lot more people like that actually, you know, like in the public eye these days. So that'll influence how, how it goes. But I don't know. I mean, I remain, I remain open-minded until the show is on and we'll see. Because like I said, there's always going to be people who... I mean, when they brought AbFab back after many years, I thought it was still great and really funny. And people were really whiny about that. And it's just like, well, if you think you can do better, you write it then. Because, I, I don't know, I thought they were fine.
0: True. I mean, yeah. you know, there are always those people who can criticize, but it's like, can you write a television show or can you become a award-winning actress? I think not.
1: Well, so. yeah, or do you have self-awareness? I mean, uh, the when they brought Indiana Jones back after so many years, I thought that movie was a lot of fun. I, I understand that it's not a classic and it's kind of dumb, but it was super fun. But, you know, people were also not facing the fact that they were seven years old the first time they saw the original films, and they took them seriously because they were kids, so one of the reasons why you find the new one stupid is because you're 30 and you know you're you're just expecting a little bit more so which is uh, true i yeah.
0: mean also having read at least one of the indiana jones books it's like mm-hmm. it was a campy sort of thing having read it you know in 2000 whatever for school yeah. uh <laughs> so to to look at it that way there's more of a i guess jaded look that the public has on those sort of things which you should really just accept what it is which is a action adventure or i guess agatha christie which is like a a a fun campy murder mystery sort of thing like this segwaying back
1: (laughs) yeah bring it all full circle i mean both cases you're looking at things that have a particular structure that people liked because indiana jones is based on 1930s serials cliffhanger serials you know like where it was like Before the feature, you'd watch a half an hour or an hour long movie that was an adventure and it would always end up with the hero about to fall off a cliff and then you had to come back next week to find out what happened in the days before television. And then Agatha Christie is based on, or Mirror is based on Agatha Christie's murder mysteries, which almost always involved a large group of people and then you just sort of whittled away one by one to figure out who the murderer was based on certain clues. And it was like these little puzzles that she loved to create that people loved to solve. I mean, the game Clue would not exist without Agatha Christie, and um, the 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 popularity of, like, Murder Mystery Nights, or when people do, like, Murder Mystery Dinner Theater and stuff like that, I don't believe any of that would exist without Agatha Christie having sort of, like, created that um, standard and tradition, you
0: know. Again, I mean, you know coming around to uh, to being one of those those tragic gays of course i i i'm <laughs> writing a novel and it is loosely based on the clue-ish idea which mm-hmm. you know thank you Agatha Christie for bringing that 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 genre and that that trope about which is that there's a murder mystery and someone has to solve it but you know
1: <laughs> yeah and i know that like the movie clue is um it's now considered like a camp classic and it's like a really it's popular with the gays and i don't know i i find that movie really boring and i i just i don't like it even even when i know what to expect of it i still don't really like it all that much i find it really dull um the mirror cracked is actually the one i'd rather watch uh partly because of the i like the cast better um I don't know. That's just my weird taste.
0: Which is funny, considering I yeah. mean, I did have a, a, a friend staying recent. Or actually, I think it was just this morning she left. Mm-hmm. Last night I told her, you know, which she just turned 60. So mm-hmm. I I had I said, well, I have to watch this movie for a podcast that I'm doing tomorrow. And it's The Mirror Cracked with Elizabeth Taylor. And she said, well, that's like one of the worst Elizabeth Taylor movies of all.
1: I don't know why <laughs> yeah. you're doing that. oh it's far from the worst try watching the sandpiper and staying awake my god that one is dreadful (laughs) although i do like that one does have a scene where richard burton tries to rape her and she comes after him with an axe which is fantastic but other than that that movie's just Mm -hmm. god awful Uh, which i I wouldn't be
0: surprised if that was inspired from real life given the the relationship that these two like truly alcoholic abusive people oh i know they were a lot
1: of fun (laughs) They loved to beat each other up before they had sex. That was usually how they that was usually their foreplay. And uh they liked to throw things and break things. And what I loved about them was that anytime they checked into a hotel, they always booked the rooms above and below their hotel suite so that they wouldn't bother anyone with the noise they made.
0: Which is <laughs> which is truly uh the definition of a dysfunctional
1: relationship if you think about it. But also like it. so classy that she was so considerate of others, you know, like just wanted to Enjoy her dysfunction with her husband, and not let anyone else be bothered by it. I think that's uh, very considerate. I I
0: I definitely believe that. I mean, maybe it was a little bit of an S and M thing for them before the the scene was popular. Yeah, it <laughs> with... was.
1: She she had a lot of abusive men very early in her life, and so uh, it it really it re- it really affected the way that she um uh, uh, behaved in her sex life with men later on.
0: So. I mean, also looking at it, she really was the the trailblazer for this sort of Hollywood trope of a woman who burns through husbands and, mm-hmm. and is lavishly treated to giant
1: diamonds. You know, diamonds. Yeah, or forever, well, if you wanted if you wanted friend. to go out with her, you had to pony up those diamonds. She wasn't going to go out for anything less. Elizabeth Taylor came at a high price.
0: So, something, a diamond big enough to make her sausage fingers look small, <laughs> I think was the line <laughs> from the Lindsay Probably. Lohan movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that sounds about right. Which, yeah.
0: I mean, hey, you know what, if I had sausage fingers, that would be a perfect line for me. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, not to sound yeah. like too much of a gold digger, but, you know, pony yeah. up yeah. the cash if you want to ride.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Uh, so if you didn't have anything else more to say about this movie cuz I'm sure we could we could shoot the shit all day about this mm-hmm. or just anything in general given that we've somehow gone from Elizabeth Taylor around to Will and Grace. Yep. But, well,
1: you know, that's how it goes.
0: Is the natural line to draw, of course. That's right.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh
0: generally we have a, a few a few segments going down through the the show to okay. end it out um one would be the uh shining light which is you know we we always bring it in with the shining light <laughs> and insert very sparkle noise here okay um <laughs> So, which is essentially your favorite part or line or scene of the movie? So, what was your shining
1: light of the movie? Um, definitely the part that I was uh, talking about earlier, which is her her monologue followed by the reveal that she's been faking it. I, I I I watched the movie again mainly to watch that scene, and then I and then I found it on YouTube and like shared it on Facebook because. Um, I, I just wrote, uh, my fifth play, it's opening in November and it involves a play within a play. And, uh, a lot of it's inspired just by the feeling, the feeling I get from watching Elizabeth Taylor do that scene and the way she reacts to, uh, being caught.
0: First off, congratulations. Um, (laughs) oh, thank you. (laughs) Always, always an accomplishment to release some sort of creative work. Um, (laughs) i i mean personally for me my shining light was just that moment where she got in that the the most where she got in the shadiest slyest burn i ever heard which is you know my my the two things i truly dislike about you are your face which <laughs> hilarious and also yeah. just the outfits they were wearing at the time yeah it was and her, so del- her delivery is
1: spot on too you yeah.
0: And also smiling at the camera the whole time, yeah. kind of being two-faced while she's saying someone is two-faced. I loved it.
1: Elizabeth Taylor was famous for having a, a, wicked, a wicked sense of humor. So, um, you know, her timing is dead on in that film. And she was also, she's quite well known for If She Met You, um, she usually went out of her way to um, drop a lot of uh, filthy words to sort of take you for a ride and see how you could handle it. Because that's how she knew if she would like you or not
0: just perfect i mean my my type of woman (laughs) so after the shining light um we we give a bit of a a star rating so uh how many how many perfectly lit suicide scenes would you give this movie
1: one out of five uh (laughs) i would give it three out of five because i just i have such an i have too easy a time sitting through it to give it less if i gave it less it would imply that i was bored because i know that it's it's a shallow film uh but um you know the ability to sit through a movie goes really really far for me because i watch a lot of movies so you know they it's my patience that is uh, most valuable
0: I mean, if I hadn't if, if I had been so tired when I started the movie last night, I would have finished it, but I
1: thought, okay, I'll finish
0: it tomorrow morning, but this is actually really interesting. I'm just falling asleep at my computer right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So.
1: Well, I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Wait till you get to my age. I can't start a movie later than 9.30 anymore or else I, I'm done. So. Well,
0: same. Um. Yeah. I'm one of those people who who goes to bed early, and Mm -hmm. you know, ten thirty is bedtime, right? And that's at the latest. So usually in bed by usually in bed by ten thirty, and like getting ready for bed at Mm -hmm. ten o'clock. So (laughs) such is the way of of being uh, as young and vibrant as I am. (laughs) Right. So usually. Peter asked me some sort of topical star rating thing. You can do that if you want, if not. Oh, yes, fine.
1: absolutely. So, yeah, ha- um, how many cheap Woolworths wigs would you give this movie out of five?
0: Um, you know, I would actually agree with you on the three, but I would give it a 3.5 just simply oh, okay. because it's my first Elizabeth Taylor movie. Right. I'm sure my opinion will change once I watch more of her, but you know bucket list things that that probably will only happen when i am forced to but hopefully (laughs) hopefully i'll actually have the wherewithal to go out and and find those oh Um, yes a question we always ask is would you recommend it
1: oh yes absolutely i it's it's too fun i mean i i uh it's delightful and then also for anyone who loves old movies because you get to see movie stars from a previous generation in a newer film i think that that's what makes it a lot of fun and to see them interacting as well i mean you never would have seen elizabeth taylor and kim novak in the same movie before and tony curtis and rod cutson and geraldine chaplin like just so and angela lansbury of course Uh, there's so many uh, wonderful people and i always thought edward fox was really cute too especially when he was younger so i like him as well
0: i definitely agree even the way that the scenes were delivered it was also proper and you know they were the scenes were delivered in such a way that is mm-hmm. no longer a thing that happens now it's all supposed to be so real and raw when it comes to movies like this but yeah there was so much propriety that everyone stood on and the scenes were so stilted but it still felt kind of natural <laughs> for sure yeah. there there was there was a bit of a social understanding that just isn't a thing anymore so that, yeah it's because
1: it's very english
0: yes true i mean you know the i i also like that it all took place in england and i thought there was a little bit more of a a suspension of this is a different culture so people are acting a little different Mm -hmm. even the little line where she said oh i'll check it out listen to me i must sound so dreadfully american to you (laughs) and i thought that's that's just so funny that she said that. (laughs) yeah yeah so a segment that we're looking at cutting out or, or not, um, probably cutting out because Peter just hates it and refuses to to take part in it most times, is the creative rewriting segment, which, I mean, I can't be classic like this. I'm not sure if you could rewrite, or uh-huh. but the question really is, if you had true creative liberty with this movie, was there anything you would change? Or what oh yeah, for do? sure.
1: I would include at least one more murder because there's not enough violence in this movie, you know, like, um, she, especially because the, the first woman who dies, she dies off screen. You just hear a scream and then you find out that she's dead. Geraldine Chaplin's the only one who dies on screen in a really deliciously gruesome way. Um, and then, I mean, of course, Elizabeth Taylor dies at the end, but I think there should be at least one more murder. Um, and uh, i would get miss marple i would re- i would recuperate her sooner uh, and just have more fun chasing down clues there's not enough of that i mean i'm probably talking about a 5 hour movie here but i don't care i you know if you're asking <laughs> about full creative liberty that's certainly what i would do and and also clear up the plot hole of like who killed geraldine chaplin so
0: yes that's true that was that was a that was a little bit of a you know Whoever did it who did yeah. it, but it was mostly just to cover Elizabeth Taylor. Right. I mean, it, it was pretty much understood that either Rock Hudson or Elizabeth Taylor did it because they were the only ones who had anything to gain. Yeah. I think possibly Elizabeth Taylor did it. But then again, Rock Hudson also said, fix something about that sneeze. And then suddenly she goes and kills herself by accident. Right, right. So yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. maybe he did do it. In which case, that's... Either he loved Elizabeth Taylor's character so much that he was willing to to kill his side hoe, or yeah. <laughs> he was, or he got tired
1: of his side hoe because there's an implication of that, but it's not quite borne out. So, sure. Um, would you? What would you do if you had license to creatively rewrite this movie?
0: I mean, if I had had license to creatively rewrite this movie, I, I mean, again, this is a this is such a this is a genre that I'm not really familiar with which is more of a classic even though it was 1980s it was it was more of a classic style of movie and also an Agatha Christie you know Miss Maple movie Mm -hmm. so honestly I wouldn't change much other than I would have had more interaction between Elizabeth Taylor and um you know her 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 counterpart actress, where they just had more sniping and more sly remarks and more shade between the both of them. Yeah. Because I just loved that so much. And more ironic death. Again, just someone who was so annoying. Like, maybe the vicar would die as well in a way that you wouldn't
1: expect. Yeah. But
0: (laughs) it was... Yeah, maybe Kim Novak would
1: die. I mean, that would be fun too.
0: Maybe. I mean, she would have been a, a perfect person to die as well. Just Mm -hmm. because, you know, you thought that maybe all of the possible suspects started dying just because they started figuring out too much and they were Mm -hmm. annoying in the first place anyway. And I I just said to myself, wow, it would be hilarious if this if this lesbian crushing woman died and then she did. And just I was so happy for it, which is sad to say. (laughs) <laughs> but I mean I guess she kind of deserved it anyway I mean she, yeah. she gave Elizabeth Taylor the German measles and then she had a, a, a disabled child because of that yeah. or I mean we assume yeah. because of that it could maybe it wasn't that but most likely it was well they said they,
1: they specified that uh, it was brain damaged as well I can't remember or if they said the child died or not in this story uh, certainly in real life um, she lived for a long time she, the child outlived her mother many, many years. And uh, as I said, she might still be alive, but I'm not sure. You know,
0: and also uh, Elizabeth Taylor having a child, I mean, at that point in her career, well, not specifically at that point, but the number of years ago that they stated that she would have, I would assume that that child had been born with fetal alcohol syndrome by that point, (laughs) given her her lovely, tumultuous alcoholic relationship with Richard Burton, which
1: didn't help any at all um, i don't know i mean i don't know much about her kids uh they've they've kept a pretty low profile she has three children and um if if they have any of those issues i don't I, i've never heard of it um, i mean i never did was...
0: either which i would have assumed would be sort yeah. of a, a point to some sort of of recounting of her life so, again, I mean, we have so many segments. I'm sorry to just keep you with these segments. No, 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 segments. please. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, only only a, a, a few more segments, which is uh, usually we have, we used to have Peter's uh, review corner, mm-hmm. which was, you know, people would write reviews on the movie, but he got bored of that. And now he decided to change it to Peter's trailer corner. which is just a recommended trailer for the listeners to go and watch just because it might be an interesting movie that you want to watch. So I took the liberty of going and finding a trailer, which is a trailer for a very interesting-looking movie called Escape Room. The link will be in the description of the episode, listeners. So go and watch that or don't. Uh, Basically, I believe it's like a direct-to-video movie about an escape room, but oh, no, it's a real escape room. Uh, It looks... Funny, but also it's supposed to be a horror movie. But I just I think that would be enjoyable to watch and laugh at. So Mm -hmm. okay, (laughs) go go and check out the trailer and determine for yourself, listeners. Um, and we have one one final segment, which is really inspired by your recommendations portion. Truly, it is almost a ripoff. Which is the "What's Giving You Life" segment of the show. So you know what is giving you life. I stole
1: mine from from the NPR. So uh, from NPR pop culture podcast podcast. So, you know, it's yours to steal.
0: No, no ideas are original anymore. So (laughs) not a problem. So (laughs) if you have any sort of recommendations or anything that you're enjoying this week, go ahead and tell the listeners about it.
1: Uh, what's Giving Me Life? Um, On our last episode, I recommended Blondie's new album because I've been listening to that a lot. Um, and then in terms of um, movies or TV, I haven't been watching too much because I've actually been away for most of the summer. So, you know, what's what's giving me life is traveling, which is my favorite thing. But um, uh, I wonder if I can think of anything also that I've uh, been really enjoying. Well, actually, I should say, I'm reading this wonderful novel called The Knicks by Nathan Hill, uh, and I'm actually reading it from my book club, but it's a really, really cool book about a, a guy whose mother abandoned him when he was a kid, and then he catches up with her years later because she's a, she's, um, she attacked a conservative politician that she had problems with, and so she's arrested for it, and he has to help her get out of trouble, and it's a really, really cool novel. It's like 800 pages long, and I've just been tearing right through it. It's really good, so... I recommend it highly.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, I'll check that one out. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, also we do ask our, our guest hosts um, usually the first time they're on uh, a guilty pleasure movie of those. So maybe you could think about that one while I'm telling the listeners what's giving me life this episode.
1: Absolutely. Go ahead.
0: Uh, um, Which is, uh, an interesting new podcast, usually most of my What's Giving Me Life is podcasts, because I do drive for a living, so I listen to a lot instead of, you know, reading or things that you can't do while you're driving. Um, mm-hmm. I've been listening to a, a a cheesy but funny podcast. It's, like, about 30 minutes long, an episode. It's called Creepy Podsta, which is, a, you know, a play on words for creepypasta, which are, mm-hmm. you know, short, scary internet stories, mm-hmm. which... I mean they 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 go over it hash it out not a very scary way but they are funny and they're also they also have a slight divergent podcast called Seeing Reddit also a pun you know on the <laughs> where they just type in the the randomizer <laughs> for Reddit and they find a, a a random page on Reddit and just have to talk about it and it's hilarious, hilarious. i really yeah. recommend it so also like a short half an hour podcast it, it's funny it's something to listen to there they're, they're they're very, they're very, very good. They usually don't talk about what they're supposed to be talking about, but all good podcasts are that mm-hmm. way, in my opinion. <laughs> so, of course. If you have your guilty pleasure movie, you
1: know. Um, a guilty pleasure movie. Um, probably The Thomas Crown Affair. Although, I mean, it's a good movie. I, I, and creepy, guilty pleasure implies, like, something, you know, that's not supposed to be good. Um, but, I mean, Rene Russo in The Thomas Crown Affair is, like, one of my favorite performances of all time. I've seen that movie many, many times, including watching it three times in the theater because I loved her so much. Um, so that's, that's probably, that's, like, my Desert Island movie for sure. Oh, I see. Yeah, there's mm-hmm.
0: there definitely movies that could be good but considered guilty pleasure because of the obsessiveness of, of the watching. Right. Which is, I mean, I heard of someone who watches Disturbia every day, several times a day, which is really disturbing if you think about it.
1: Well, that's, I mean. that person has a mental problem. I mean, <laughs> there's no movie that you should be watching every day, several times a day. You are afraid to go outside and uh, you need to. Deal with whatever it is your parents did to you. So, yeah. <laughs> especially a movie about
0: murdering people in your house and Shia LaBeouf figuring out about it. Sure, but. but
1: I mean, at that point, are you even watching the movie anymore? Like, I mean, that person must have just get some kind of like mental uh, uh, security feeling from the sounds of it or something. You know, like that's yeah, there's an issue there.
0: I I mean I I, I don't know this person. I just heard I, I just heard someone say that, and it was like. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, they can't come out tonight because they're watching Disturbia again, which is really disturbing. So, I mean, there's a difference between watching Disturbia and listening to Rihanna's Disturbia, which is a little bit
1: better. Um, Of course. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it takes all kinds in this world, you know, and in America, it seems to take even more. So, yeah,
0: especially as of yeah. late, um, not well, to get
1: political. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, like, there's 300 million of you. That's, you know, there's only 30 million of us in Canada. So there's going to be a lot more varieties of interesting people in uh, in your country. Uh,
0: I, I do forget that you are a, a maple, a maple leafer. So mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm very much considering converting to because I'm very afraid of a nuclear winter situation happening over here soon. Well, it's not going to be um, that
1: different over here. We're not that far away. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, Whatever nuclear I mean, clouds get you guys get annihilated with are just going to travel north. So That's true. Yeah. I
0: mean, I am sort of west coast-ish. I'm on west western time zone now, but I live in Arizona. Oh, okay. So oh, I'll wow. be on mountain time as soon as the clocks change. We
1: were just talking about Arizona on our latest episode. Oh, fun. Yeah. I'm, yeah.
0: I'm assuming the one that hasn't been released yet because I think it's Ah uh, no, a I released
1: one. it uh yesterday.
0: Oh, I'm so excited. Then I'll listen yeah. to that as soon as we're done. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I guess what's also giving me life is is the, you know, the BGM Bad Gay Movies podcast. Oh, that's nice. Go, Thank you. Go listen to it, listeners. It's it's made me very happy for many years. Um we, Well, that's nice. Well, then maybe you, you can answer me. our question
1: because we were wondering, are there black people in Tucson, Arizona?
0: There are more now. Oh, okay. Um. Not too, Actually, not Tucson. No. Um. I don't really know much about Tucson. I'm in Phoenix, so Tucson's okay. like an hour away.
1: Right. I would well, assume when you hear the show, you'll know why I'm asking that question. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would assume possibly, but I, I do have a friend who lives in Northern California, mm-hmm. and we said, and you know, I said you you should move down here. It would be it it would be it's so much cheaper. It, it's nicer than Northern California. Blah blah blah. And he said, Well, no, I can't move to Arizona, I'm black. <laughs> so I mean it has changed a little bit. There are black people at least in, in Phoenix, but it's a capital mm-hmm. city, so yeah. It possibly yeah. is a little different. Arizona yeah. does scare me a little bit. I mean, I'm the the gay scene out or gay scene, the, 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 the gay culture out here is so much different. It's very it's very nineteen eighties closeted, mm-hmm. no one talks about it. Hush hush. Yeah. Don't no one. I mean, don't ask, don't tell type of. But everyone knows. Yeah, it, it's very funny out here, I guess, because of the. I mean, people carry guns here. There's an open carry law. Yeah, I mean, and it's the, I mean, the Southwest is a culture of its own, right? It is. Um, it it yeah. very much is. I'm waiting for California to secede from the union and become its own country. <laughs> very, very expensive country that does nothing but produce movies. Um, right. <laughs> so. Uh before we sign before we do our, our lovely sign off, uh where mm-hmm. can the listeners find you, Bill?
1: Uh they can listen to the show uh Bad Gay Movies, which they can just search on iTunes and um leave us a rating and a review while they're at it. Uh, or they can just go to the website badgaymovies.com and all the information is there. And th- we're on Twitter as well. They can follow us at Bad Gay Movies.
0: Very nice. All righty. Mm-hmm. Um You can find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Uh, Our Twitter is Amateur underscore Critics. If you have anything that's longer than 140 characters to say to us, you can email us at uh, AmateurMovieCritics2016 at gmail.com. We do have a Patreon. Uh, You can find us under the same name there. You can find me personally at Redford underscore Ray on Twitter, but that's boring. I also host a uh, mukbang food eating channel on YouTube, which yeah. is something new, I guess, <laughs> that I've been doing. Uh, it's called Red Eats, and I also have a Twitter, which I almost never post on for that channel. But I do have an Instagram that I post on a lot. Uh, Red Eats twenty seventeen. So go and find me. Also, you can find Peter, who sadly is not here today. Uh, at Zenzuma on Twitter uh his twitter is blowing up as of late for some reason. I he has a, a strange life and reason to be followed by a lot of verified accounts. I don't know why. Um <laughs> <laughs> You can also find him at zenzuma on a bunch of other, you know, video game playing platforms. Uh he always says to hit him up there, so uh cool. hopefully I did that right, Peter, if and when you're listening to this episode, well, when you're listening. Um We usually have our guest hosts do our Uh, sign-off. It usually goes something to the effect of, I say, you know, I'm Red, and then you say your name, and then until next time, stay amateur. So, okay, I'm Red.
1: I'm Bill. And until next time, stay amateur.